Hi there, I'm Jason Gotts, and you're listening to Think Again, a Big Think podcast. Everybody is always in a state of transition. All the time, your cells are dying and replacing themselves. Your mind, your emotions, your goals, your sense of self, all of these are shifting from year to year as you age. In families where there are children, the changes are even more visible and dramatic. Bodies change, voices change, identity is always in flux. But we also have an instinct to mask these changes, to find ways of minimizing them to fit in. My guests today have a story to tell about what happens when the changes are undeniable, when they're at odds with the values of many people in your community and family. It's about the pain and the necessity of breaking the masks you've made for yourself. Family in Transition is a documentary film about Amit Tsuk, an Israeli father of four who transitions to become a woman, and the changes her wife Galit and their children go through. I'm here today with Amit and with the film's director, Ophir Trainin. Welcome to Think Again. Thank, Thank you. you. It's good to be here. So first of all, it's an extremely personal story, and you're going through, you and your family are going through many, many different things throughout this time period. How and when did you decide to make a film of this and to have the situation where you have cameras around you all the time during this period? We didn't think uh, at all about doing a movie. Ophir found us, and uh, we met him. Yeah, I'm a filmmaker and uh, I made a few short films about LGBT parents. Three minutes, five minutes, it was for the YouTube. And the manager of this project, she told me about another story. Right. And I heard about this story and understood it's going to be uh, not a short one. Right. Because it's a very big story and just just happening. Okay. Right. In, in the process. In yeah. the process, yeah. And, and it was also very important to me because my oldest brother is, is gay. And I have some like uh, same experience. I'm from a kibbutz in Israel. Kibbutz is a small village. Sure. Everything, you know, it's like a socialist uh, rules. And <laughs> and it was 20 yeah. years ago. So okay. um, my goal, I think, to, you know, people accept the others. You know, it's like a cliche, but it's, it's still the, 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 sure. the, the meaning of the why I did, I done it. At the beginning, I uh, spoke with Galit. Galit, I should say for the audience yeah. again, that's, uh, that's Amit's ex-wife yeah. yeah the mother exactly. mother of the children yeah, yeah. and she in the beginning she really want to make this movie she did want to. Yeah, she did. She's also written two books about this. Yeah. So that's yeah, right. Yeah, there's an openness. But with Amit, she was more uh, suspicious about that, and I can understand that. Sure. And after I think she understood my uh, my goal or my background with my, my brother, so she, oh, I think she felt more comfortable. And I actually got the feeling that you might be a little bit of a shy person, even though you, <laughs> even though you're on the, like I felt no, a little, I'm, no, I'm you're, the opposite. you're the opposite. Yeah, the okay. opposite. Okay. I'm, okay. Uh, okay. I'm back, in, back <laughs> in Israel, I'm having, uh, I have a show. It's about my life and my story. It calls, bless uh, be he who created me a woman. Do you have a tattoo that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, the same it's, Yeah, it's Hebrew, the same yeah. tattoo. But when uh, I first met uh, Ophir, the last thing that I wanted that, uh, camera will uh, run after me. Right. Uh, I uh, looked back then as a, an alien. <laughs> 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 and uh, I remember that in the first and the second uh, meeting, he talked to me as a man. 
in, in Hebrew, there is no you. Okay, you here, it can be for she and he, or male or female. Yeah? Right. And yeah. it's so like you in Hebrew, to, you have, it's there, always gendered. Yeah. 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 And if you make mistakes, you know, it's a big uh, issue. <laughs> and it was a big issue. It because was I, a big I, issue. Yeah. It, it yeah. bothered it was, you a great yeah. deal. It was. Yeah. I lost my confidence in this period, in the process, and... Partially because of this... Because for, of this, it's because everybody and, yeah. looked at me yeah, yeah. and uh, make fun, and uh, it's the hardest period in in this process. I mean, it's a very huge step for everyone, but for you, it was many, many years before you were able to kind of publicly accept who you are and make mm -hmm. this change. You were talking about it's partly you grew up in a, a family that would not be okay with this, right? Your no, father. My yeah. father was extremely against uh, all uh, the LGBTQ uh, community. Mm. Uh, when we uh, saw uh, gays uh, people in the TV, he said uh, they should be killed and uh, burn them and uh, wow. something like that. And I uh, I was very, very afraid to, uh, to uh, come out. Just in in the age of uh, 13, okay. uh, 14, my father left our home. My parents got divorced right. and um, I met uh, Galit. And back then I, I, I thought that I am uh, homosexual, but I, uh, I fell in love with her and even um, attracted to her sexually. And then I said to myself, uh, wow, <laughs> I'm not a gay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and this is a good so, thing yeah, because it will ma thing. make so, your life easy. So, yeah. yeah, so I told to myself, so what am I if I'm not a gay? Mm. What is it? it? It was 30 years ago. Nobody know, uh, knew what it transgender people. Sure. I thought that it is a teenage virus that I'm suffering from. It will pass. Yeah, yeah. it will pass. And to, to, to help it pass, I have to be an extreme uh, man and to, uh, you know, play uh, uh, basketball. And uh, I did some haircut, uh, short haircut. And, yeah. yeah and, but it, it didn't pass. And it grew with me more, uh, more and more and more. And then I uh, went to the army. And uh, right. when I went to the army, I was sure that this is the time that the virus, I'm, I'm going to kill the virus because <laughs> I'm, go I, I'm going to be a, a soldier, a soldier yeah. and a, a combat soldier. Where did you go into combat? Where did you fight? I served on a tank yeah. and uh, I got injured. I got wounded and uh, I was in a rehabilitation for four years four hard years and I found out that it is very hard to come out when you are in a rehabilitation and Glit was beside me through the whole rehabilitation. Why was it very hard to come out when you're in rehabilitation? Because I was busy rehabilitating myself and I tried to walk again. I was uh, for a long period on a wheelchair Okay, and then we got married for, you know, we, I met Galit at the age of uh, 15 and uh, four years of rehabilitation. And then we got uh, married and uh, we began uh, uh, 
uh, bringing uh, children. Yeah. Yeah, four. Yeah, you have four, yeah. Amazing children. They are amazing. They are amazing. amazing. They uh, are very, yeah. they are in some ways big stars of this documentary. They're very they smart. Are, very they smart. They are the heroes of uh, <laughs> this film. And um, four years ago, it started to be very, very hard for me uh, even to walk down the street. Every woman that uh, went on the street, I was jealous. I wanted to be like them. And then I, I was jealous with Galit that she, um, I remember uh-huh. that in the morning she put on herself a jeans and I was angry. So I said, you're a woman. Why jeans? Put dress. <laughs> <laughs> she has the right to. Yeah, she, should, she should use the right, huh? I stuck with the jeans. And uh, then I understood that I have to put down my custom and uh, to uh, ca- come out and tell her after 25 years who I am because I, I went crazy. That's an unimaginably difficult thing to do. I'm sure you were very afraid. She I handled was... it very well at first. Yeah. In the beginning, she seems to handle it in a very supportive way. The first scene of the movie is about five or six months after I came out. Uh. It's not the first day. Okay. Okay. So, so we uh, don't see it, that It's a, a little bit cooked uh. there, but it was hard and we cried together for three days. And uh, I told her who she is living with for the last 25 years. She said... It could be a cycle killer, <laughs> I and I didn't, and I didn't I had know. No idea, I right. had no idea. But she, she said, you know, I love you. I love you very much, and I want to try to do the process with you and stand by you. And then for about a month, we kept the secret to ourselves. We didn't tell anyone, especially not the kids. And one day, Agam hmm. came to Galit and... Agam is very smart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's amazing. She's she a sharp, sharp... Some of the things she yeah. said in yeah. that, both myself and my wife were blown away. We're yeah. like, what, what is she? She's so smart. Fifth, yeah. 40 years old. Yes, and then she, she said to Galit, I think that uh, father or very sick or he is hiding a big secret. And that the point that uh, we, we, we said each other, stop. We have to tell the children what is going on. And we told them, I think that the biggest one, uh, Yuval, at this point in the process, her father stood there and she didn't understand what does it mean, the process. Uh, so she said, okay, uh, we will be like the Kardashian family in Israel, in Aria. Great. But uh, you are not uh, getting divorced and we're all staying together and uh, it's okay. Agam and, uh, and uh, Peleg was uh, little kids back then, six and ten years old. They didn't understand at all what is uh, going on. Right. Yarden is the only boy, boy. in the flock. <laughs> right. His, his father was a role model for him, uh, you know. It was the the boys against the girls mm. in the family. He felt that he he lost his father. His father da- died, and it was uh, very difficult was for him. Very very yeah. uh, difficult for him. It took uh, three or four four months 
after all the family for him to contain the process and be part of the process. He's also less communicative than the other, some of the other kids. Like yeah. it's a little harder, I think, from what I see for him he, to he, express. Yeah, his he's, a, he's a male. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. Well, so. But you, during the film, you can see that yeah, he all the time with his uh, computer or mobile or yeah. never look in the eyes, yeah, and, and finally, you start to look through my eyes and I think start to open and talking and something happened to him also. Yeah, no, I saw that as well. It's not um, like the other, yeah, like a gun that she's so open. Yeah, yeah she's but, just... But for him also something start to, you know, more, he feel more comfortable. And... He says something, yeah, there's a moment where we can see a change in him where he, I can't remember exactly what it was, but he says something very perceptive, I think, about what is going on for for Amit and, and, and Galit at that time. You mean I after think. the marriage? Or I, I, think, it, it, I think so. He sees that okay. something is wrong and he ah, starts talking right. about how to how yeah. to manage your family when it's mm -hmm. falling apart. And yeah, you know, yeah. I see I see a maturity in him that we don't see in the little bits yeah. before. So for you then, as the director mm -hmm. of here, you have all of this footage, you have all of this yeah, stuff happening. Yeah. I mean, the story is largely chronological, but yeah. what big decisions did you have to make artistically about kind of how to tell this story, what to show us, what to leave out? Okay, it was a struggle and it was very uh, challenge things to do because there is a lot of footage. Three years I uh, followed them, so. How many hours of footage would wow. you say there? <laughs> For people who don't make films? I like... think it was something <laughs> like 300. Okay. Yeah, a lot. Okay. A lot of hours. Yeah, and in the beginning I want to make a series of this, yeah. And yeah. then the, the TV channel told me, no, 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 just, uh, you know, single, uh, single movie. Huh. And it was good because you have to be very careful what you're doing and how you choose the right uh, scene. And I wanted to be very gentle. There is a family and children. You know, there is a lot of film about transgender. And I think the amazing, or the, for me, the, um, the important uh, point is that Galit decided to stay. That's yeah. rare. That's the, the unique things. And, and even, even though for the audience that does change later. Yeah, but yes. yeah later. But to see the, the Galit, how she stay, and with Amit, and the children, the children, are amazing and and they are amazing because of them yeah that's for sure the that's, way they th that's clear yeah. yeah so finally i think it's story about love it's story about uh, a family is the title the same in hebrew is that a direct translation or? uh it's also start with family in uh, okay, okay. Uh, we call it mispacha betrans uh, but it's like a family transgender family so in english though family in transition works particularly nicely because what we see in the film and i agree with you that this is what makes it special is that everyone in the family is yeah. in transition everybody That's i mean right. your yours is the most visible outward yeah. you know dramatic transition just because of the nature of of that but we see everybody going through extreme changes i think that Kelit also uh, made a big uh, that's true that's right change uh, how she uh, looks how she looked at the beginning of the process mm. and um, at the end of the process but i think that the movie is talking about how entire family 
fulfills dreams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. right. Yeah. How you become yourself, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And no matter what happened through the process, hard as can be, we always tried to stay happy and to... To be to, together. Yeah, to be together, to, to keep the family together. I think that the energy came from the family. The big success of the whole family process is from us being a contained family, a loving family. You were living in, what is the name of your... Naria. Naria. And how many uh, people are in Naria? Like uh, 65... Thousand. Okay, yeah. so it's a it's a small city. Is it a particularly conservative area, or is it like somewhere in between? Some religiously no, it, conservative. It's becoming families? more and more conservative and religious every day. I don't know. One thing that I think about, it's like, you know, as we said, everyone in the family is going through transitions. The family mm-hmm. itself is transitioning, you know, and as you said, I mean, sure, Galit goes through a big external transition, but for you, the distance is is a very big one. I mean, you're in a society where you're going to be dealing with a lot of people that are not going to understand. You are dealing with 25 years of silence with Galit around this. And you're not a person to feel sorry for yourself, I don't think. But it struck me that there's a lot of kind of violence and struggle that you have to go through to become who you are in a way. I mean, even sitting down, you sit down with a business partner, yeah. a business yeah. associate, and you're so grateful to this person, right, for accepting you. I want to cry that you have to do that, that you have to be so grateful He's very nice. He's lovely, like when he learns, but it seems unfair. With all the respect to the process, I still needed to bring money and to, to live. And What's your career? What were you I'm a um, um, software analyzer. Okay. And I'm um, teaching in some college and university mm. uh, in Israel. Mm. Yes, at the beginning of the process, I totally lost my confidence and it was very hard and I tried to stay alive, to stay alive even with my business and even with my colleagues. And yes, I was very thankful for them for accepting me and for letting me still work with them. You know how many transgender women or men in Israel uh, losing their job every day? Most of them. Uh, yeah, most of them losing yeah. their jobs. And then, then they find themselves in the street, living in the street. I had four children. I have four children. <laughs> and I had to take care of them. If it says to, to say thank you for containing me. So thank you. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying that you did something wrong by saying thank you. I just, it, it makes me sad that you in that to. society, yeah. that's the situation. And I think that's true in many parts of America too, of course, you know, maybe, le- maybe all, not all in New world. York. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, also in Tel Aviv, you know, it's like New York, but Naria, it's, yeah, you know. So Israeli society though, I would guess like everywhere is parts are changing. It's getting better because uh, more and more transgender all over the world, I'm particularly in, in Israel, understood that we have to do a public relation to the community. Right. So people will understand that we are people yeah, yeah. like everybody. <laughs> and we, I'm a woman and I'm a mother. I was a, even a combat soldier and I can raise 
my family and my kids and have a career and even I can even be better than a heterosexual uh, woman. So in a way, it's it's a responsibility that you are taking on yourself yeah. to make your life better, but also so that other people in the future will not I have to do the same thing. I sacrificed my private life in Israel totally. I'm standing on a stage almost every evening and telling my uh, story to a huge audience and not just LGBTQ audience. Do you think that's like the future? Are you going to keep doing that long term? Yes. Yeah. Uh, because in Israel, I think that I'm the maybe the only one that right now, yeah. right now uh, doing uh, this kind of uh, um, advocacy, we would yeah. say in English. Yeah. This, yeah. I mean, it's it's brave and it's admirable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. What has surprised you or pleased you or the most about the way that things that have happened uh, since the film has been released in Israel in particular, but maybe also here? First of all, this film is a big success in Israel. Yeah, we won the first uh, prize in the Dokaviv Film Festival. It's a very important film festival, one of the top of the world. And because of that, we are here for, you know, we are qualified to the Oscar. Wow. And we've got the theatrical release here in the States. Hmm. And that's a big thing for yes. us. So um, I think people, you never know how people go, the audience going to accept your film. And we, we had the, the, the first premiere in Doka Festival and it was amazing. So that was the moment I understood that something happened here. Something is, is special here or unique. And people were crying and uh, it was so emotional and everything. Because I understood it's not just LGBT film. It's about all of us. Yeah. It's about parents. It's about love. It's about who I'm supposed to be. Every one of us, every single one of us is covering or hiding or of in course. some way masking in different ways, in mm -hmm. different relationships, you know. And if you don't have something in you that forces it out where you have absolutely no choice, you may spend your whole life mm -hmm. hidden. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that I found this very encouraging to almost anyone in the world for this reason. Yeah, you know, many of us giving up uh, when we have a challenge to go through and um we managed to uh, overcome all challenges. This is the big story. Well, I think this is a good place for us to shift to the second part of the show. Okay. For the audience, that's where we are going to watch a couple of surprise interview clips from Big Things Archives that are conversation starters. I have not seen them. Amit and Ophir have not seen them. And we'll see where the conversation goes from here. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, so this is Jonathan Haidt, who is a professor of ethics at New York University. And the video is titled, Three Great Untruths to Stop Telling Kids and Ourselves. So my first book, The Happiness Hypothesis, was a collection of 10 insights uh, from, from sages around the world uh, that were psychological truths. And one of them is what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Uh, that gets at the idea, the psychological principle, of anti-fragility. Um, it's a wonderful term. That's actually a clunky, ugly term, but it was made up by Nassim Taleb because we don't have a word for this in the English language, which is that there are some systems that 
get stronger if they get pushed around, knocked around. Um, so a wine glass is fragile. If you knock it over, it breaks. Nothing good happens. A plastic cup is resilient. If a kid throws it off the table, it doesn't break, but nothing good happens. But there's some things that have to get thrown off the table. There's some systems that have to get pushed around. And uh, Taleb wrote this book, Anti-Fragile, or Anti-Fragility, because things like the banking system had to be tested, or it gets fragile and collapses. Bones have to be tested, used, uh, or they get weak. If you were to fly to Mars, your bones would get weak. The immune system, if you protect kids from bacteria, if you keep them in a sterile environment, you're damaging their immune system. The immune system has to face challenges in order to learn. Turns out kids are anti-fragile. And when we protect children from unpleasantness, from conflicts, from insults, from teasing, from exclusion, we're preventing their social psychology. We're preventing their social abilities. We're preventing their strength from developing. The subtitle of our book is How Good Intentions and Bad Ideas Are Setting Up a Generation for Failure. By overprotecting our children, we are setting them up to be weak, to be more easily damaged, to be more easily discouraged. In one word, he is talking about antibiotics. 100 years ago, when they found the penicillin, it saved the humanity. Right. You know, but since then, we started to, to give antibiotics for everything. And then the doctor said, stop, please, you are killing <laughs> the humanity. Uh, We're actually making the bacteria yeah. stronger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you're making the bacteria stronger. And if I will take what he said to our story, yeah. I think that we realized that we have strong and unfragile kids and they can stand almost everything We just gave him gave them a little push you know yeah. a little push to their confidence that's all and we always tell them there is nothing wrong with what we are doing I'm just want to be me that's right. it there's a moment that I would imagine that as as a parent must make you cry when you see it which is uh, agam she's so funny and so expressive and she's think just, positive uh, well, she, she does this thing where she's like why am I alive why yeah, am I yeah, why yeah, am I yeah, living yeah. like this but then she says but then she says you know if I had my life to do over again I wouldn't change anything you can see in the movie that there is a point that the kids giving me the energy giving me uh, power yeah. you know when a gun came to me and she said think positive yeah yeah think she said, positive. Stop, stop I, I cried you're making yeah. me sad you know I think, cried yeah. and a little kid said think positive yeah. she was the parent yeah she yeah. was moments and that's what family is at its best I mean that's yeah. what a family can do for each other yeah I spent a little time in Israel and I found it to be, I mean, my very superficial impression. I mean, I had a wonderful time, but I also saw that there's a lot of aggressive energy in the culture, you know, like, which makes sense. I mean, yeah, the reality yeah, is stronger yeah. than everything. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it makes sense given the region, given the history of the Jewish people, you know, there's a million reasons why that's yeah, the case. And it's a lot of stress always. Little kids in Israel uh, dealing with things that uh, kids in all of the, the world don't, don't. like uh, going to the army. In the age of uh, 18, my son joined the army today. Oh, wow. Today, today, wow. he joined you, the how, army. How, how do you feel about that? How are you feeling about it? Well, it's, it's very exciting. <laughs> yeah. Exciting, yeah? Yeah. It's Is, very, very exciting. Is I he hope. excited? 
he is uh, a little bit nervous <laughs> and um I hope for for him and for us that uh, there won't be any war. You know, in America, this conversation is a slightly different conversation because it becomes a left-right conversation in America. So the left, the 60s and after, the way of parenting, the way of education has become very child-centered and people are very focused on the psychological well-being and the development of the children. And in some ways, it's a pushback from the right saying, These children, you're turning them into very fragile little snowflakes or whatever, right? So, I mean, when I hear this, I want to start arguing a little bit because on one level, I understand that we learn from struggle and from suffering. But I also think that the parenting impulse now that's mm-hmm. coming from the left is about inclusivity. It's about welcoming. It's the same impulse that in America... It's about protecting. It's the same parenting impulse that has parents making sure that if their children might be transgender, that they're being accepted in their yeah. schools, you know? Yeah. You know, even if... It will happen to one of my kids. I will accept it. It will be the perfect home for <laughs> it to happen. Uh, but I can tell you that he's going to have a really hard life. I think that parents afraid. I think that they're protecting. Of they're course. protecting their kids. They want them to have uh, the easiest life that uh, can be. And uh, it's hard to be. LGBT uh, in Israel it's the hardest to be transgender yeah because you see that your child will have a very long distance to go a lot of fighting a lot of a struggle. lot of struggles yeah, a yeah. lot a lot of struggles you know how how I protected my children through the process I decided to end the process as quickly as I can I ended the process in about one and a half year. Which is very, very fast. I think it's the fastest period in Israel, because I wanted for the children to have they didn't have a mother and father from the beginning of the process. Okay. but I want I wanted them to have two mother as quickly as, as possible. quickly as possible, because two mothers is more acceptable in the community than. mother and a transgender uh, woman. So after the transition, the community would be more likely to see you, treat you as a woman. Than yeah, as, as a woman, because yeah. I look as a woman. Yeah. And uh, to be two mothers, uh, it's easy. This is Israel. accepted. Yeah, accepted in Israel. Compared to a transgender. Yeah. Yeah. Right, to... not universally. Right, yeah. right, right, right. Okay, let's see what the next video is. I have no idea what this is going to do, where we're going to go with this. This is uh, a countryman of yours, I think. Elad Gil is his name. Um, And Elad Gil, it says, is an entrepreneur and an executive and investor. And the video is called, Is Technology Corrupting Humanity? So one of the things that worries me the most uh, in the technology world today is the degree to which the external world has viewed technology with more and more cynicism. And the degree to which uh, you know, there's a little bit of a backlash starting. And I think that there's a few drivers for that. I think the recent elections is, is sort of one example where people feel that they were manipulated, I should say, by third parties abusing technology. Um, 
And I think separate from that, there's also just these sort of media waves where you know uh, media tends to go in cycles where the press will build something up and then tear it down and then build something up and tear it down. And I think technology was really built up in the media for a 20 year period or so. And now is sort of a time of reckoning and, and to some extent. Um, I think that's very unfortunate because I believe that optimism is a reflexive asset in sort of the George Soros view of the world where you know, something that uh, people uh, give value to gains value uh, by that belief in the value of that thing. And uh, if you actually look at the major changes that have happened in the world, it's because people have been extremely optimistic in ways that some folks thought were, was irrational. Um, but that optimism allowed them to actually accomplish that giant goal. I mean, think of uh, putting somebody on the moon and what we were able to accomplish in the 60s. Or uh, you know, think about a variety of other examples like that, the Manhattan Project, or you know, major breakthroughs have all sort of come through an enormous sense of optimism and we can do this. Uh, manifest destiny and sort of you know, the development of the United States as a country is a good example of that on the sort of country and governance level. Um, and so one thing that I've seen more and more increasingly is a in increase in cynicism and people being made fun of for saying they want to change the world when they're genuine about it. And I think that's a very big negative. And so one of, my, one of the things I've been thinking a lot about recently is how can you actually increase societal optimism? What are the mechanisms by which people can become more enthusiastic about their future and more enthusiastic about technology? Because if you look at the changes that technology has wrought over the last 20, 30 years, it literally has lifted uh, tens or hundreds of millions of people out of poverty. It has created access to global markets. It has created access to global information. Uh, you know, everybody's walking around with literally a supercomputer in their pocket that gives them access to the sum of all of humanity's knowledge, uh, with maybe the exception of scientific journals, which are still blocked. So I do think that um, people should be incredibly optimistic about the future. And one thing I wonder about is how can you help spread that optimism? Because I think if people believe they can do something, they often achieve things that they never thought was possible. I can say you know, <laughs> it's a very complicated uh, issue because there's a, a, the negative point uh, side and the positive side. But you know, according to this uh, film, and uh, I also can tell about my kids, they're always the eyes. All of us. On the devices. Oh, yeah. And there is no uh, eye contact. You can't talk to them. Sometimes, you know, my wife uh, in the phone or me, on something happened. But about the, that, the the um, the way we are uh, um, connecting to connecting to yeah, so I don't know the impact of that, but it's for sure it's something bad. It can't be good. I don't see how that's good. Yeah, we can't fight technologies. We can't fight uh, the increasing of technologies. You're we a programmer. To, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have to accept it. There is no argument that our children uh, are smarter than us. You know, you, you can see uh, two years kids dealing with uh, technology, dealing with mobiles, and uh, yeah, but the, the mentally, the mentally part of you, it's it's the, it's a, it's uh, a, it's a new communication world. We have to find a way to use the technology to use it right because the technology is there. It's, it's, it's new and, and it's, and yeah, I we think can't fight it. The reason people are cynical and they're pushing back is because we have millions and millions of people going into, you know, entrepreneurship and startups to create apps to addict people. I'll give you an example. <laughs> I'll give you an example. Right. There, there is a teacher that comes to the class and say at the beginning of the uh, lesson, uh, all of you, please give me uh, your mobile. Okay. 
and uh, there is a teacher that comes to the class and say, please open your mobile and let's learn with the mobile. Let's search for something that we are talking about sure. this uh, lesson. And she she uses the technology. She's making the lesson much better. That will work if she can compete with whatever the apps and the text messages are on the phone. We need balance. We need balance. There's no balance. The way you, we all use it. But if we talk about our movie and the technology <laughs> that, that we're talking about, okay, you can see that the younger are much more accepting uh, the whole process because they see it every day with the technology. Uh, my, my daughter, I, I, told you, yeah. I told you that my daughter, uh, the first thing she said, so we will be the Kardashian. Okay. <laughs> she saw it on the, on the web. Yeah, that's uh, right. Condition. Okay, so that's right. they're experiencing much more things and learning much more things and they, they're developing and they are much, much more uh, smarter than uh, their parents. You're right. That is the case with your kids. I think that the But... bad things in the technology that we're going to lose our jobs Because these days, yeah, yeah. Robots, back then, AI, back yeah. then in the 60s, you know, uh, one machine brought with there many, many workers. And these days, one robot can replace 10 workers. I mean, I guess the last line I want to leave this on, the last thought I want to leave this on is that, look, I mean, change brings bad things as well, but the basic message of your film is about the harm that fear of change can do to us and that we do have this impulse, this conservative impulse to, to hold on to things the way that they are mm -hmm. and that that can do us a lot of harm. Yeah. yeah. To stay in the comfort zone, it's really risky, I think. But it will going to happen if we want it or not. So Ophir and Amit, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you thank very you. much. Thank you very much. So that wraps up another episode and I would really love to hear from you. Feel free anybody out there to send me a voice memo, ideally in wave format, doesn't really matter. Record it on your smartphone or any decent recorder and just email me the file at jason at bigthink.com. Any of your thoughts about anything that we've talked about on this show, happy if you want to disagree with us or come up with a totally different angle. And please let me know if you're willing to let me play that on the show. I got one last week from Adrian in Connecticut. Hey, Jason, I just listened to the episode with Michael Palin. That was de just delightful. I, I'm with you. I can't think of a word that really covers it. Um, I love that he said you made him think. And we definitely need to see the shirt you were wearing. <laughs> that was the best. He, he um, complimented you on your shirt just out of the blue. Um, so, of course, we need a picture of that on Facebook or something. And what I didn't realize, actually, until 
too late was the fact that Michael Palin was already doing his Michael Palin impression at that point when he was complimenting my shirt and making fun of how overly polite he can be. Um, and I was completely flattered and was like, well, thank you so much. Anyway, I really love hearing back from those of you out there listening and hope that I'll get more of these. And we'll be back next week with something completely different. See you then.